everyone. Shall we begin? You hypocrites, you blind guides, you snakes, brood of vipers, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right, said Jesus. And here we are, thinking that Jesus had blonde hair and blue eyes, wearing a spotlessly white dress, floating, I mean walking around, always meek and mild. No, Jesus got angry, all right? But what made him so angry? Surely, surely it was those bad people, the mafia, the prostitutes, the corrupt business people, surely. Nope. Jesus was talking to the religious leaders at the time. Modern equivalent would be Pastor Steve, <laughs> Dorothy, Pastor Ollie, and myself. You're like, what? So you can imagine, Jesus was quite the opposition. He was a rebel. Quite a few years ago, even before my son was born, um, uh, I was invited to be a youth camp speaker, and I love youth camps. They're great. And um, part of the camp was that we were going to go hiking. We we're going to walk up this hill. It's got a beautiful view up there. So we did, and it was wonderful. It was when I could still hike. Um, and it was great. And, but it started to rain. In Malaysia, when it rains, it rains. Okay? And it was raining heavily, and we were trying to get to the bus, and it was slippery. And we were told, okay, everyone, be really careful. Step on just the roots. Of, well, try and step on the roots of the trees because they provide traction so that you don't slip. So we were all going down. It was all great until we came to this one tree. That's not the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil, but it's just this one tree. And there was a youth being placed there, and he was yelling out at everyone, don't step on the roots of this tree, don't step on the roots of this tree. And everyone was obediently listening to him, not stepping on the roots of that tree, but I got there. I said, why? In the rain, why? I was the camp speaker, and he said, just don't do it. But why? I want to know why. He said, just don't do it. Just don't step on the roots of this tree. I said, tell me why. And at that, at that point, I had held up everyone behind me. And everyone in front of me was hearing this commotion. So they stopped. My husband was about five meters away from me. And there were a few young people in between us. And he heard this. He turned around. And he was panicking because he knew me so well. He turned around. Winnie, don't do it. Don't do it, love. And I was like, well, of course I ignored him. And I, and I was like, well, I'm going to do it. So I was like, well, what's the worst that could happen? I'm going to hold on to the tree trunk. What's the worst that could happen? I was safe. So I did it. So I stepped on the roots of the tree. And it was very, very slippery. It was that one tree that would get so slippery with rain. And I was doing this matrix slow motion fall when um, the youth whom I was arguing with reached out and saved me from a horrific fall. I apologized after that, and he was very gracious. Um, I, I hope that I've learned my lesson. Um, let's pray about the message tonight. 
Father, I want to thank you that, for your word. God, I pray as we get into your word, you will speak to us. You will speak deep into our hearts. We don't just want to hear your words. We want to let your word change us. So come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are now on this series, Rebel Jesus. Ben Fair started this series last week fantastically. Um, he defined a rebel as someone with a cause, a conflict, and a cost. So he named some uh, famous rebels, including Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, and Julian Assange. Uh, for those of you who don't know him, he's an Australian whistleblower, the founder of WikiLeaks. Whether or not we agree with their causes, these people had a great cause, they, a massive cause. They created a lot of conflict by standing up for their cause, and they bore a cost for it. So according to Ben, I was a rebel without a cause, so I wasn't actually a rebel, I was just a pain in the butt. Um, Jesus, on the other hand, was a rebel. He had a cause. His cause, John 10, 10 says, he, gave, he came to give us life and life to the full. He came to give us abundant life and eternal life. And when he stood up against anything that came against humanity, having a full life, having uh, eternal life, he stood against those norms and created lots of conflict with the religious leaders at the time. And the cost? He paid for it with his life. To the religious leaders during the time, Jesus could be at times stern, but to the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, according to the Jewish culture, she was ceremonially unclean for 12 years, outcast. She reached out to try and just secretly touch Jesus' robe, hoping that that would heal her. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. To the leper, another outcast, who fell with his face to the ground and begged Jesus to heal him. This is someone you want to be socially distanced from, okay, a leper. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Zacchaeus, I love Zacchaeus, we have things in common. Zacchaeus was a big bad crook, that's not what we had in common, but Zacchaeus was short. So he climbed a tree just so that he could see Jesus. And when Jesus got to that spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I want to stay at your house tonight. And to the woman who was caught in adultery, put in the middle of everyone to be judged and stoned, Jesus said to everyone gathered, whoever who has not sinned, throw the first stone. One by one, everyone left. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Jesus asked. No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Very different kind of conversation from the ones I started with, right? Why was Jesus talking like that to the religious leaders and talking like this to the sinners, 
the broken? Is it because Jesus really didn't like good people? He really loved bad people only and broken people only. Today, we're going to look at a parable that will give us a hint uh, of one of the reasons why Jesus would be so mad at the religious leaders. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, a Pharisee was someone everybody looked up to because the modern equivalent would be Pastor Steve, right? We would look up to them. They were great. They were the moral example. They were who we want to be when we grow up. But the tax collector, they are awful. They are the enemy. They are the collaborators. They are the people who worked for the bad government, who would come and tax their own people. And not only that, they would tax a little bit more sometimes a lot more, just for their own pocket. They were collaborators, they were traitors, they were horrible people. So these two people went to the temple. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's take a look at this picture, which is a, an illustration of the story by an artist, I would like you to observe the posture of the two men. The verse that I did not read that actually started off this parable reads like this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. It's obvious why the tax collector was forgiven and the Pharisee didn't. The tax collector knew he was a sinner and he asked God for forgiveness, therefore he was forgiven. But the Pharisee didn't even think he was a sinner, didn't ask God for forgiveness, therefore he was not forgiven. It's very simple. But beyond that, this parable gives us a glimpse into why Jesus got mad at the Pharisees. It was the Pharisees' sense of superiority so annoying, really annoying. In telling this parable, Jesus was rebelling against the superiority of the priests. Bear in mind that they were superior. The priests were superior. The Pharisees were superior. They were superior people. People look up on them, and Jesus said, no, not good enough, and that would have shocked the people at the time because everyone looked down on the tax collector. Jesus said no, and Jesus was rebelling against superiority. Now, sin, like Zacchaeus, the short, big, bad crook, and um, uh, the woman caught in adultery, didn't seem to anger Jesus. Brokenness, like the leper and the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, didn't seem to anger Jesus. Why? Sin and brokenness saddened him so much that he came from heaven to earth to die for, for it, for us, yes. 
Um, he came to love on us, to take the punishment of our sin and brokenness as a result of our sin on himself and died in our place. Yes. But these people's sin and brokenness didn't seem to make him angry. They made him compassionate. Because that's precisely why he came. So I want us to know tonight that your sin and brokenness don't make Jesus angry. All we need to do is ask for forgiveness. He's taken all that to the cross. We are forgiven. But to think that oneself is better, now that's really bad. He might get mad. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it says in the Bible, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. What's grace? Grace is to give you something you don't deserve. So forgiveness, favor, eternal life, I don't deserve that, okay? But then if I'm humble, I come to God, I say, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, please have mercy on me. He gives that grace to me. But what does he do with the proud? He opposes the proud. What's oppose? It's to disagree with, to stand against, to fight. I don't want God to oppose me, do you? Imagine God, the one who is almighty, opposing you. That's a pretty scary thought. I, I, and, and I want to say that I think, I suggest that that's one of the reasons why Jesus was so mad at the religious leaders. He, he really did not like pride and superiority. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. We can look at this parable. I, I used to do that. I discounted it because it doesn't apply to me. Um, to look down. I don't look down on people. I'm so short. I can't look down on anyone, you know. But um, looking down can be very subtle. To look down on someone is just to simply think I'm better or I'm smarter or I have better morals. Or sometimes you don't even know, you just assume. I just assume I'm smarter, I'm better, I have better morals. A few years ago, I met someone who had a different background from me. It was obvious from the way she spoke because I'm so posh. And um, so when I met her, I was like, oh, I didn't say it out loud, it was all in my head. I said, oh yeah, I know this kind of people. I'm sure she has a lot of problems. And she's going to tell me all her problems, and then I'm going to have to solve all her problems. I'm, I'm good. I'm here. I'm here to serve. I'm very wise. I'm, I'm very good. I'll, I'll help her. It took one conversation, one conversation, and I started telling her all my problems. <laughs> it turned out that she has this incredible depth of wisdom, and she had so much compassion, and kind of she wasn't judging me, and she was amazing. She has so much experience. And yeah, I'm, I'm like a puppy dog whenever I see her because I'm always telling her all my problems uh, and waiting for her to, and she's very gracious. She's very wise and she's very happy to help me. <laughs> to some who were confident of their own blank and look down on everyone else, I wonder what we can fill in that blank. I'll, I'll let you think about it for five seconds for yourself. What applies to you in that blank? That would make Jesus tell you this parable. Okay, I'll tell you mine, the first one. I kind of, uh, kind of implied already. To some who were confident of their own humility and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. This was me. The reason I thought this parable didn't apply to me because I looked down on the Pharisee for being so proud. 
only he was like me, because I'm very humble. I never do that. I'm actually really good at being humble. So if you need help being humble, come and talk to me. It's my specialty. And it could be to some who are confident of their own background and look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. This was me in that story. Like me, as soon as someone is different from us, sometimes we assume that they're less intelligent, they're less moral, and have less amazing lives. Maybe it's their economic background, the poor and the rich. We, uh, I, I know what you're thinking. You think, yeah, the rich looking down on the poor. But it's also the other way around. Do you know how much poor people look down on rich people? That they must be this, 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 okay? Or not just poor people, common people like us who look down on the very rich. Oh, they must be like this, 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 this. What about ethnicity? Just because someone is of a different color from us, we automatically assume their level of intelligence, moral value. What about age, gender, different interests, different style, different experiences? Or maybe a particular way of speaking because someone comes from a certain part of town. Now, I want to say that acknowledging differences is not the problem. In fact, I find it very liberating. If you walk on eggshells around me and pretend we are all the same, I find it very annoying. But if you acknowledge that I'm Asian, do you know what? I won't actually be surprised. Because I know. (laughs) The only thing that's bad is when you look at me and go, oh, she's Asian, she must be this, 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 this. That's when it's bad. And then look down on someone, assuming negative of someone. If you assume, if I assume I make an ass of you and me, to some who are confident of their own theology, and look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Um, my husband and I had the privilege of working for Alpha Malaysia now for, for full time um, for seven years. This was over quite a few years. And uh, when we were working there, it's Alpha Malaysia is similar to Alpha Australia for Australia, Alpha New Zealand for New Zealand. We come alongside churches, we introduce Alpha to churches, and we train churches to run Alpha. We make sure that the Alpha resources are in the, uh, contextualized to the culture. And because of that, I got to sit with Catholic priests, Catholic nuns, Anglican priests, um, very dynamic um, mega church pastors and sit down and, and everything in between and sit down and listen to their stories, listen to what God is doing in their church and listen to their struggles. And man, my life is so much richer. And those were the moments that I cherished the most. One of the groups that I love spending time with, even though they exhaust me um, endlessly, is this Catholic group who have been running Alpha in schools for consecutively 13 years, and they run Alpha every Friday in at least 12 schools and for the certain grades. So they're trying to make sure that everyone going through those grades will go through Alpha. And every Alpha would have more than 100 students. Now do the maths. 
they have reached out to thousands of students with the gospel of Jesus. And this group, they're like, oh, they're older than me. They're old, okay? But they would bounce off the walls whenever I see them talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm like, oh, settle down. Just let me eat my meal. And they, are, they will tell me stories. And this is my favorite story. There was a boy with autism, and he was very non-communicative, didn't talk. And his mum was actually one of the teachers in the school. And so he sat through the 10 weeks of Alpha, and at the end, he came to the front, and he told his hope story. A non-communicative boy with autism who never spoke, said, talked about how now he understood who Jesus was, what Jesus came to do and how Jesus changed his life while his mom was at the back of the classroom shock and in tears. And I was like sitting there going, who are you people? Aren't you tired running alpha like that? Don't you have jobs? They do. They all had jobs. But I got to sit down with them. Imagine if I had said, your theology and my theology are different, therefore surely they don't have much to. I, I can help you but surely you don't have much to give to me. But I tell you, whether our theological differences are big or small, because we got to sit down and listen to each other, oh man, my life. I, I, I often just say, why me, Lord? Why do I get to do this? It's amazing. Nikki Gumbel, the pioneer of Alpha, says, what unites us is infinitely greater than what divides us. Jesus unites us. To some who were confident of their own opinions and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. This is a big one. What are your opinions on COVID? On Trump? Don't, don't tell anyone, okay? We don't, we don't want to talk about that here. Australian politics? The LGBTQ movement? Vaccination? How do we view people who have different views from us? We can disagree, of course. But to think that they are somehow less because their opinions are different from us, that's not okay. Jesus would tell you this parable. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. The culture now is that as soon as someone disagrees with us, we say that they're stupid, they're wrong, or downright evil. It's so easy to do because we've got a screen to protect us. We could hide behind a screen. Mind you, I, but I believe that it, people have never changed. People have always been like this. People have always had strong opinions. People always said nasty things about people who disagree with them. It's just that people never had a public arena to air their views. But now we do. Okay? If you don't believe me, Go on to social media, find a slightly divisive, divisive topic. This is an old one, but is the dress blue or gold? <laughs> and make a comment and see what happens. The internet is like the cesspool of humanity. It's really bad. <laughs> and let's not conform 
to that culture and let it, let, us, let it drag us down to its level of immaturity. When someone is different from us in any way at all, let's not look down on them or assume negative of them. So what are some things we can do? First, repent. <laughs> Ask God to forgive us. I do, this om- I do this every day because I look down on people every day. But I must say that the, the, <laughs> that story when I told you, I used to look down on people a lot more then. I, uh, I look down on people a lot less now uh, because I have made uh, an effort to, number two, fix my attention on God. Fix your attention on God and let God change us from the inside out. Draw near to God through his word, prayer, worship, connect group, church, and he will transform us. I have met and I know people who are so unjudgmental, but they're not stupid. They have opinions, all right? But they have been on this journey, allowing God to change them, to love, to value, despite differences. Thirdly, rebel against superiority. Jesus did. Jesus spoke it. He modeled it. We are followers of Jesus. Let's do what he did. Is there anyone around you who have been prejudiced against? It could be just someone in your group who is slightly bullied, slightly ignored. Let us be the ones who will go and sit with them, who will love them. Let us rebel like that. What a powerful way of rebelling. And then speak up against it, but not in the way that our culture does. Let's rebel against that too. Let us speak up respectfully. It might even be what God has called you to do, to dedicate your life, to stand up for a certain people who are prejudiced against, who are oppressed maybe. I can invite the band up. I'd just like to pray. Lord, I want to thank you that our sin and brokenness don't faze you. They don't make you angry because you, you knew that we were like that. And that's why you came to take all that upon yourself and onto the cross so that we are forgiven, so that we are set free And all we need to do is to do what the tax collector did, to ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I pray. I thank you for Danny's message this morning. He said we are saved by grace, but we are judged by our actions. That, Lord God, our actions will be one that is not judgmental and full of superiority. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to us now. That blank is different for everyone. I pray that you speak to us now because Jesus, you love us too much to leave us here. You want to transform us. You want us to become more and more like you. So God, would you point out what is the word that we would put in that blank that would make you tell us this parable? God, we want to please you. Jesus, we want to make you proud by, being, by standing up for what you stood up for. And Lord, I pray that we will rebel against superiority in a way that brings your love and your grace and your inclusivity. 
how you included people that were unlikely people. You included them, you loved them. Help us do the same. Help us do the same, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Change us, Lord.